Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. It is 18 November, Sunday, time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. And a few things to mention beforehand. First is, uh, if you attend the Bible studies online every Thursday night, uh, if you want to join us Thursday night, you can. All you're going to get is a blank screen because we will be home eating turkey. And so uh, I just want to remind you that Thursday is Thanksgiving, and it's my personal favorite day of the year along with Resurrection Day. And uh, I, I'm just, I, I love the family and the fellowship that comes with that and the fact that we can thank the Lord for the blessings we have. And I want to thank everybody that attends this church and also online and the people that uh, have helped this church out and kept it going. And I'm grateful for all of you and all of what you have done. It means a great deal to me. And we also have uh, started last week at the Thursday Bible Study, a new book in the Bible. We're just starting, so if you want to catch up with one video, and then we did kind of an introduction. We uh, talked a bit about dispensationalism, how things fit into the broad plan, and then we got right into 1 Corinthians. And so uh, if you watch that, then you can join us every Thursday night, and that would be a wonderful thing. You'll learn quite a bit. You'll get good doctrine. and. Romans went very well. I mean, that one took about two and a half years, I think two you and said. and uh, But we finally got through it. And then from there, as I said, Thursday nights for the next year or two will be in uh, 1 Corinthians. And the podcasts are on iTunes, but iTunes has not yet approved the 1 Corinthians um, form. In other words, they have to approve it, and it takes a while. So if you want to listen to that on a podcast, you can go directly to the Superior Word website, and there's a drop-down that... Uh, will allow you to listen to that there. And then eventually we will have it on iTunes and you'll be able to get it through Apple and all that, which I don't understand. The web guy does. And, uh, but just so you know, that is not quite on iTunes yet. It, for this week, it is under the Romans Bible study until they approve the 1 Corinthians uh, category, and then it will be there. But if you want to listen to it, you can listen to it, but it's under Romans on iTunes or directly on the Superior Word website. And then um, I have a bandana on. I've been going through a series of bandanas for my friend Tim, but I have to take a week off. This came from Arlene, and the reason why is because it's got turkeys all over it. And so it's a Thanksgiving bandana, and I want to thank Arlene for that. It means a great deal that she would do that. And it came in just in time. I got it washed so it's not so crinkly and uh, got it on my head this morning. So uh, let's see here. Our first category, as always, is Israel. And... I'm not going to talk a lot about the Gaza crisis or the government crisis that's going on in Israel. If you want to know about it, it's on every news site in the world. And so I'll give you a couple of things, but I'm not going to get into any detail because most of it's still in flux anyway. So all we'd be doing is speculating, especially on the issue of the government. But from AMN, Russia, Jordan, and Egyptian delegation blame Israel for the Gaza violence. Okay. Um, oh, before I go on. My mother just walked in late as always, and she brought a box full of zucchini squash back there. And uh, is it, uh, or is that what it's called, zucchini? Yeah. So if anybody wants to take some, please grab it on the way out. All you want, because there's an entire box full of zucchini, and I'm glad that you walked in to remind me of that. So there you go. Um, Russia, Jordan, and Egyptian delegation blame Israel for Gaza violence. That's not unexpected. Uh, what happened, for those that don't know, they went in to do a covert operation in Gaza. Mm -hmm. It got fouled up. Somebody died. Um, and, of course, they used that as a pretext to start bombing Israel. All right? You go into another country and you do something like that. That is usually not something that you would start lobbing three or 400 missiles at another country over. Mm -hmm. But they used that. And the reason why is because... There is a peace plan coming out from our president. There are other peace plans that are being submitted. And who will lose from that? It's Iran. Iran is the one that funds Hamas. They send them all of these missiles, just like they do for Hezbollah up in Lebanon. And so, of course, if Iran says this is a good chance to screw everything up, We'll tell them to do it, and that's exactly what happened. So just so you know, they're blaming Israel, but it's not Israel to blame. From the Times of Israel, Egypt demands Israel halt escalation as side scramble for Gaza ceasefire. Well, let's see. We have 400 missiles that fly into Israel that are indiscriminately 
targeting civilian areas. And then we have Israel that goes back with 150 targeted bombs after giving notification that they're going to bomb that particular location so everybody can get out of the way. And they are causing the escalation? I don't think so. Anyway, from Times of Israel, U.S. condemns rightly Hamas rocket attacks calls for immediate halt. This is all what went on before the ceasefire. I'm just giving you the background so you understand what precipitated this and where it's leading to. From Arts Shiva, Abbas Hamas, and this is Abbas of Fatah, okay, he says Hamas is plotting to thwart the establishment of a state. Pakistanian Authority Chairman Abbas said that the U.S. peace initiative dubbed the deal of the century and the Hamas plot, meaning them firing in missiles to thwart the establishment of a Pakistanian state, will not work. So Abbas does understand what is going on with Iran and they're being they're the leaders in what is happening with Hamas firing in these. But he's got a wrong perspective on the fact that we are trying to not make this work, okay? He's saying it's not going to work because of the deal of the century and Hamas. It's everybody else's fault but his. He's an incompetent anyway. So we'll go on. From Al-Arabiya, protest against normalization with Israel held in front of Qatari embassy in Beirut. Now, we've had the trouble with Qatar that's been going on for the past couple of years. They're somewhat aligned with Iran, and so we've got this going on where Qatar is once again kind of implicitly involved in this. You can see how these players are lining up. And then we come up with Wall Street Journal. Israeli defense minister resigns. This is one of the things that resulted from the past week of bombings between Hamas and then Israel responding and blowing things up. They made a ceasefire agreement. This was Netanyahu in particular, his government. He pulled a ceasefire. Lieberman, who is the defense secretary, resigned over it. And this has caused the entire government to collapse. Everybody is vying now. What are we going to do? Are we going to, you know, suspend the uh, Knesset, have early elections? Are we going to do this? Are we going to do that? Parties are talking about breaking up. If you have a party break up from one party, what that happens is it's like you've got the um, the, uh, ultra-Orthodox Jews and they will side with Netanyahu if Netanyahu doesn't approve LGBT issues, okay? So now he's got them on their side. But then they get angry over this issue and they break apart and all of a sudden that coalition is no longer exists and so somebody else gains ascendancy. This is all what's going on in Israel right now. We don't know where it's going. We don't have any of the background other than they are making moves. Today, Netanyahu is going to make a move. We'll see what happens. But until it happens, all we can do is speculate. That's all we can do and it's not worth speculating. So, um... From there, let's see here. Times of Israel says Hamas head says Lieberman resignation is an admission of defeat by Israel. In other words, Hamas is claiming victory in this bombing campaign that Israel lost it because Lieberman uh, resigned. And I would almost agree with that. It was a defeat politically. It was certainly not a defeat militarily. They would have gotten spanked and completely destroyed if Netanyahu had continued to punish them for what they had done. Okay, but it was politically possibly a defeat. We're going to see where it goes. There are a couple commentaries where it says that Netanyahu will actually benefit from this. I think that's the minority view at this point, but we'll see. It's all very interesting what's going on right now in Israel with their government and how it was handled after this uh, this past week of missiles going off. So from go on to another category from JTA. London rally for Jews killed in Arab countries. This is a London rally for Jews that were killed in Arab countries, disrupted by men shouting in Arabic about killing the Jews. So there you go. The event by the Israel Advocacy Movement was held on a speaker's corner in Hyde Park, which is known for its cultural free speech and passionate street preachers championing various causes. Now, just so you know, that's kind of like the Boston Commons here. And if you ever go there, people just stand up and they say anything they want. And it's a place of ideas. And people just, you know, when I preached at all the 50 capitals, I didn't preach at the Capitol building in uh, Massachusetts. It's right across the road. But I went to the Boston Commons because that's where all of the people are congregated. There's, you know, fountains and there's people walking around eating snow cones. And so I decided to talk on abortion because that's like the abortion capital of the universe there. And I did it again in Sacramento. But there you go. That's the deal with that. And they uh, were having this 
rally for Jews that were killed in Arab countries, and then Arab comes over and starts disrupting them, just as you would expect to happen. A few dozen people holding Israeli flags and candles gathered there ahead of the Kristallnacht, the 1938 Nazi pogrom in Germany and Austria, to highlight the suffering and slaying around the same time of many hundreds of Jews who were killed and wounded in pogroms across the Arab world. As if on cue, before we'd even begun, an extremist began screaming a death chant of Jews. The vigil went from bad to worse. They shouted us down. They would not allow us to remember our dead until we had to call off the vigil. So there you go. Typical Arab response to everything. It's kind of like the uh, what's going on with the elections in Georgia and in Florida over the past couple of days. Everything is racism. All they do is they throw out the race card and everything devolves after that. Well, that's what the Arabs do with their own thing. From JNS. Poll, 40% of British Jews considering leaving UK over anti-Semitism. You know, you had an example in the last article. Here you go. According to data presented by Gideon Falter, chairman of the Campaign Against Anti-Semitism NGO, an incredible 90% of British Jews believe that the Labour Party is anti-Semitic. It's not they believe, it is. We don't even need to believe it. It just is anti-Semitic. And 40% are considering leaving the United Kingdom because of the spike in anti-Semitism. Hey, it's coming soon to a Democrat party near you. We've got that Muslim up there. They are going to start really devolving very quickly now that they've got the foot in the door of the Democrat Party of the United States. And it's going to be the same thing. One party supporting Israel, the other party against them. Total anti-Semitism, but saying that they're supporting. And the problem is that the Jews are in this dilemma because they're all a bunch of lefties. All right. Not all Jews are. I, I went to school with a Jew that's very conservative. But for the most part, in America, the Jews are lefties. So they're going to have a giant dilemma. How are we going to handle this situation very soon? Just like they have in England. Um, the British police launched an official investigation into alleged anti-Semitic hate crimes in labor. The Labor Party, whose leader Jeremy Corbyn has faced growing criticism about his tolerance of racism and anti-Semitism in the party. Like I said, coming soon to a Democrat party of the United States near you. From the Times of Israel, French prime minister says anti-Semitic attacks in the country up 69% this year. So you've got England, now you've got France, 69%. And of course, it's because they brought in all the Muslims, right? The government plans to toughen rules on hate speech online next year pressuring social media giants to do more to remove racist and anti-Semitic content. So we're going to suppress people's views and ability to speak in order to do something because we caused the problem in the first place by allowing these people into the country. Look, it doesn't make any sense, but this is the world we live in. They would also experiment with a network of investigators and magistrates specifically trained in the fight against acts of hate, which could be extended nationwide. From mid-November, a national team would be mobilized to intervene in schools to support teachers facing anti-Semitism. There you go, France. From the Times of Israel, here in America, FBI says hate crimes against Jews in the U.S. rose by 37% last year. Well, it's not 69%, but it's still a big rise. Anti-Semitic attacks counted for 58% of all religious-based hate crimes in 2017, even though Jews make up only 2% of the population in America. So there you go. 58% of 2%. It's like 10 billion percent when you put it in its perspective. From Arts Shiva, Supreme Court okays discrimination against Jews on the Temple Mount. So even the Jews are discriminating against themselves. Here we go. The Israeli Supreme Court rejected a petition filed by right-wing party challenging a police decision to limit the use of metal detectors at the entrance of the Temple Mount to Jews and other non-Muslim visitors. I don't know if you remember, but it was a year ago that they had all of these metal detectors put up at the Temple Mount all over the place. And the Muslims went ballistic. Okay, and so what they do, they caved and they took down the metal detectors in all the Muslim areas. But they didn't take them down for the Jews and the Christians. There you go. So here's what it says. In July 2017, after the murder of two police officers on the Temple Mount, which was done by Muslims, by the way, metal detectors were put in place at the entrances to the Mount. They were soon taken down at most of the entrances, not saying why, but it's because they're Muslims. However, following a wave of violent protests, only metal detectors at the Mugabri Gate were left in place. The Mugabri entrance is used primarily by Jewish visitors and foreign tourists, the only people that won't cause any trouble up there. From Christian News. All right, I've already said it once. I'm going to say it again. 
One Corinthian Bible study started last week. If you want to learn your Bible, instead of watching four billion prophecy updates a week, you should drop one of your prophecy updates and attend our Bible study. You will benefit from it. You will learn a great deal. If you want to learn even more, then stop watching all those prophecy updates, drop another one, and start watching the sermons. And you will. And the reason why I say that yesterday, yesterday, I'm not going to read it because, you know, it's a private letter and without permission I won't read it, but I was sent a letter by somebody who I say this how many times a month? I say it at least twice a month. Stop watching all these goofy prophecy updates, which are not based on any reality at all. People make stuff up out of their head. They get 10 million views on something. People get excited, and then they forget about it, and they go on, and they haven't learned anything. They haven't been benefited in any way. Well, a lady wrote me a letter, and she said, I want you to know that you challenged us to stop watching all these prophecy updates and to start watching sermons. And she said, They watch all of them now. They've gone through Genesis. They're going through with us all of these things, and they're really benefiting theologically. So I would challenge you, if you are just soaking up goofy prophecy updates, I'm not talking about the superior word, because what we do is we read actual news that is happening in the world, and we put it in the context of the Bible. Most prophecy updates do not do that. There's three or four that do this properly. The rest of them are just people that get off into goofy stuff that is completely untrue, but there's not a lot of discernment left in the world. Learn your Bible, and you will learn discernment. You want to learn your Bible? Watch the Corinthians Bible study and the Superior Word sermons, okay? That's my plug for the week. From the Reno Gazette, Guam Catholic Church to file bankruptcy amid abuse lawsuits. So the whole Guam Catholic Church is folding. Guam's Catholic Church will file for bankruptcy, a move that will allow the archdiocese to avoid trial in dozens of lawsuits alleging child sexual abuse by priests and move toward settlements. Archbishop Michael Burns, or I guess that's how you'd say it, announced that mediation efforts that began in September led the church to bankruptcy. This path will bring the greatest measure of justice to the greatest number of victims, Burns said. That's the heart of what we're doing. Burns said that bankruptcy will provide finality for victim survivors that they've been heard and understood. Attorney Leander James, who is working with the alleged victims in Guam, said in a statement the move will help resolve current lawsuits from more than 180 claims of abuse through their settlements. 180 claims of abuse, and people still attend these churches. And some of these people that get the money from these lawsuits are going to continue to go to the Catholic Church. It makes absolutely no sense at all, but that's the world we live in. From CNN, New York parishioners are using the collection basket to ask embattled Catholic bishop to resign. Well, I think it's a good thing, but I think they ought to just leave altogether. In the deeply Catholic Rust Belt community of Buffalo, New York, some parishioners are using the Sunday collection basket to ask embattled Bishop Richard Malone to resign. Instead of giving money, some faithful are leaving handwritten messages giving the church an ultimatum. We will resume our weekly offering when the bishop resigns or is removed, read one handwritten note that was placed in a Sunday collection basket. Malone came under fire after his former executive assistant leaked documents to CNN and other media outlets suggesting that the bishop did not sanction priests accused of sexual abuse and concealed the identities of alleged predator priests. In March, Malone released a list of 42 priests in the Buffalo Diocese who had left the priesthood after facing accusations of sexually abusing minors. He has said his handling of some claims has fallen short of the standard. Well, he fell short of the standard the day he became a Catholic whatever. He should be completely taken out of that church, and all the Catholics should move out and become some other denomination and whatever. Um, But he says he's maintained that he will not step down. Here's his justification. He says the shepherd does not desert the flock. Well, the guy isn't a shepherd at all. He's a pervert who has been hiding perverts. Absolutely crazy. From Breitbart. Dope Francis, chief threats to the world are climate change and nuclear war. Now, this is the man that speaks for 1.2 billion Catholics, I think it is. The chief threat to the world is climate change and nuclear war. He never says the chief threat to the world is sin. He never says that the chief answer to the world is Jesus Christ. You never hear him say this. It is all a social gospel. It's all about how they can control this world through Climate change. New York Times. U.S. bishops had a plan to curb sex abuse. They've come together. They've got a plan together. What happens? Rome orders them to wait. 
They don't want this out in the public. They don't want their dirty laundry hanging out, so they order them to wait. Nothing will be done about it. People will forget, and they'll start giving their money back to the Catholic Church. From Christian Post, here's a good one. Lutheran pastor defends ethically sourced porn, wants to remove shame from the industry. Yes, Lutheran pastor and author Nadia Boltz-Weber, there's your problem right there, has argued that there should be no shame in the consuming of pornography especially if it is ethically sourced. In a recent interview with the New Jersey-based LGBT publication, Out, New Jersey, Bowles Weber discussed her upcoming new book on the issue of sexual ethics and the church. So she is having a conversation with an LGBT magazine. She shouldn't even be talking to him. But once again, here's your problem. In discussing the pornography, Boltz Weber explained that while she recognizes that there are issues of justice and exploitation within the porn industry, she does not believe that the consumption of pornography should be shamed. Boltz Weber is scheduled to have a new book published next January titled Shameless, a sexual reformation in which she argues that the church teaching on sexuality has caused harm to many people. Well, I'd say it's just the opposite, and I'd say that this is the standard for the church. And this does not tolerate that in any way, shape, or form. In any way, shape, or form. Go to the very last page of the Bible and see what Jesus says about people that do these things and where they will not end up or where they will end up. All right? She's building her diving board to hell one, one little step at a time. From uh, the Telegraph, Asia Bibi, you know the girl that was in uh, Pakistan? She was under death sentence for supposed blasphemy. She was released. And, of course, they are threatening to kill her in Pakistan. She has to be in complete hiding. They, if she goes out anywhere, they will kill her. Asia Bibi is not offered U.K. asylum amid concerns of unrest and attacks. They're not going to give a Christian whose life is being threatened in that country amnesty in their country. Okay? Britain has not offered asylum to Pakistani Christian woman freed after eight years on death row for blasphemy because of fear it would promote unrest in the UK and attacks on embassies. Well, of course, because you have allowed this situation to occur in your country, and we were going down that path with our previous crummy president, and our current president is putting the brakes on that. But this is what happens when you allow this type of thing to happen. Her supporters claim Asia Bibi and her family had appealed for sanctuary in Britain after her conviction was quashed by Pakistan's Supreme Court. And speaking of Islam, Islam Today from Arts Shiva. Saudi Arabian tells Israelis, we want peace. This is a Saudi Arabian, just a private guy, a cab driver, driving around in Saudi Arabia, and he says, I want peace, and he does it on a video, and it makes it onto the internet, and they haven't cut off his head yet. Amazing. In a video posted on social networks, the man who identified himself as Mohammed expressed hope that peace between the two countries is very close. Peace and blessings from the land of Saudi Arabia to the land of Israel Mohammed said. Now imagine him posting this 10 years ago. Oh no. We want peace with Israel and with the help of God, I believe that peace is very close. I speak to friends from Israel from all over the world. They love peace and want it very much. Pardon me, my Hebrew is not good and I want to speak Hebrew and I love Hebrew. I learned Hebrew myself and with God's help, I want to go to Tel Aviv and I want to see Jerusalem. Amen and amen. Thank you and Shabbat Shalom. Imagine him saying that, all right? Reports in recent years have indicated that Saudi Arabia and Israel are getting closer, though the two countries still do not have any official ties. One report claimed the Saudi government is weighing the possible normalization of relations with Israel ahead of a planned Middle East peace program by the Trump admin, which aims to not only secure a final status agreement between Israel and the Palestinians, but lead to recognition of the Jewish state by the larger Arab world. That is coming. It won't be done by Trump. It'll be done by the Antichrist. But you can see that there are people out there that are now allowed to openly say these type of things. And the guy says, I learned Hebrew and I want to go and speak Hebrew to you people in Israel. Amazing. From the Guardian, Jamal Khashoggi murder fails to stop Britain selling arms to the Saudis. Okay. Well, this is good because this was a made up thing. I mean, yes, the guy was whacked. I'm sorry that he died and all that kind of stuff. I'm supposed to show remorse for that. But how many people have died in the war between Saudi Arabia and Yemen in the past couple of years? I mean, maybe a million, and there's plague, there's cholera, there's all kinds of stuff going on over there. Not a word from the liberal media, right? But one guy dies that is 
associated with their politics, and we hear about it, and the UK says, we're not playing ball with that. Here we go. Britain has pursued its assiduous courtship of Saudi Arabia despite the murder of journalist Jamal Khashoggi, with diplomats and Ministry of Defense officials meeting their counterparts in the kingdom to discuss closer economic, military, and political ties. The discussions have taken place as Britain enters the final phase of negotiations to sell more Typhoon jets to Riyadh. They're similar to those used in the Saudi-led bombing of Yemen in a war that has caused a humanitarian disaster. Britain sells billions of pounds of weapons to the countries bombing Yemen, and it is keen to strengthen its ties after Brexit. In July last year, the government confirmed it had created a dedicated Gulf region working group to promote high-level dialogue with key trading partners to progress our trade and investment relationships. Since then, civil servants have regularly visited the region for confidential talks for future deals once Britain leaves the European Union. They know they need to get their revenue from somewhere. It's not going to come from the EU any longer, and they're going to continue to strengthen their ties with Saudi Arabia. Okay, so let's see here. A delegation from the Department for International Trade visited the Eastern Province Chamber of Commerce in Dammam in Saudi Arabia on 2 October, the day Khashoggi was murdered. Alistair Long, the UK's Deputy Trade Commissioner for the Middle East and Director of Trade for Saudi Arabia, stressed that Britain was keen to create alternative markets and that Saudi Arabia is at the head of these markets. So they're not taking the, uh, the standard, you know, freak out over this guy's death. Once again, the guy died. It was probably illegally done, you know, but this is what governments do. I hate to say it, but the U.S. government has whacked a lot of people in these covert operations over the years. Okay, it continues to happen all over the world all the time. The guy was a friend of the Muslim Brotherhood. He was on the side of our previous president and his agenda. And so the world comes out like it's the worst thing in the world that one guy got whacked. It wasn't. Okay, from Breitbart, dramatic 20% rise in homicides in France. Well, we know why. They don't say it in this article, but we know why. That's why it's under the Islam category. The statistics for 2017-2018 reveal the 20% increase from 2014 to 2015. An unexpected increase for the French government, which expected the murder rate following the 2015 and 2016 terror attacks in France, in Paris and Nice to return to previous levels. Well, that's because they're stupid. They keep letting them in, they let more and more in, and they expect that the levels are gonna go down. Well, it doesn't work that way. You know, this morning I was looking at Facebook, right? And somebody had a picture of a dog licking the head of a cobra or a uh, rattlesnake or something. And it said, this is what England is doing to the Muslims, right? And this is what any country does when you let them in. You're just licking the snake because it's going to bite you. It's going to happen. Anyway. Uh, let's see here. Um, while in the last few months, homicides have decreased overall, statistician Cyril Ritzk has claimed that there has been a clear rise in murder over the year compared to a general declining trend in the last 15 years or so. He claimed that the current homicide rate, even when terrorism is excluded, is above the rate in the five years before the 2015 Stats. The surge in homicides has largely gone unnoticed in France, with Ritz explaining that the fight against terrorism has become the number one security issue, relegating everyday security issues to the background. Now, once again, remember, every time that they have somebody come up and say, Allah Akbar, and start stabbing some old woman, they say he's mentally ill. He's got psychological psychological problems, and so that's not counted as terrorism. If you were to count it as it is, these numbers would be even higher. But they dismissed that, okay? Ritz added that there's been a general trend of increased homicides in several Western European countries, saying the decline in the number of homicides was, until 2015, a phenomena, a substance that characterized the countries of Western Europe. It cannot be ruled out that in a context of mass casualties, the latent level of non-terrorist lethal violence has been Influenced. Well, once again, you throw in the fact that these people are not just psychologically disturbed, but that they're terrorists, and you would have all of the numbers balancing out the way that it should be proportionally. From Mongolia, from the Telegraph, the World Health Organization warns urgent action is needed to tackle global misuse of antibiotics. Now, why would I include Mongolia in this? Anybody? Nobody saw this article. 
A new report has shown, my friend sent this to me, so I appreciate him doing that. A new uh, report has shown huge discrepancies in consumption of antibiotics with some countries doling out high levels of these life-saving drugs while patients and others struggle to gain access to them. For the first time, the WHO has gathered information from 65 countries to track consumption of antibiotics around the world. The country with the lowest rate of antibiotics use is Burundi in East Africa, which has a rate of four defined daily doses per 1,000 inhabitants per day. The country with the highest rate is Mongolia, with a rate of 64 DDD. So that is, imagine that, four in Burundi, 64 in Mongolia, and we're probably like a 10 or 12 in the U.S., and we take way too many here. Anyway, from Daniel 12 Technology, from The Verge, China's state-run press agency has created an AI anchor to read the news. We can get rid of all these anchors in CNN and all these other places. They've got an AI anchor. Xinhua, China's state-run press agency, has unveiled new AI anchors, digital composites created from footage of human hosts that read the news using synthesized voices. It's not clear exactly what technology has been used to create the anchors, but they're in line with the most recent machine learning research. It seems that Xinhua has used footage of human anchors as a base layer and then animated parts of the mouth and face to turn the speaker into a virtual puppet. This is just like something you'd see on like 2001 A Space Odyssey or one of those, they they would have people that weren't real that were speaking and now it's really being used in China. It goes on, by combining this with a synthesized voice, Xinhua can program the digital anchors to read the news far quicker than the usual traditional CGI. According to reports from Xinhua and the South China Morning Post, two anchors, one for English broadcasts and one for Chinese, were created in collaboration with local search engine company Sogu. Xinhua says the anchors have endless prospects and can be used to cheaply generate news reports for the agency's TV, web, and mobile output. Each anchor can work 24 hours a day on its official website and various social media platforms, reducing news production costs and improving efficiency. The technology has its limitations. In the videos above, which are shown if you wanted to watch them from that article, and below of the English speaker speaking anchor, it's obvious that the range of facial expressions are limited and the voice is clearly artificial. But machine learning research in this area is making swift improvements, and it's not hard to imagine a future where AI anchors are indistinguishable from the real thing. That's amazing, isn't it? You know, and that's you're just getting news 24 hours a day. You're not getting a bunch of these people that are just making stuff up. They got people behind the scenes making it up. Whatever they type, that thing says. So it's a spooky world we're living in. From Mail Online. Facebook could soon suggest people standing near you as friends. I think this may drudge, so you may have heard this. But Patton reveals creepy feature that can even spot if people close to each other have similar movement patterns. So I'm moving like this, and somebody's over there moving like this, and they say, hey, they could be friends on Facebook. Yeah. We use sensors on phones to analyze people nearby. Phones would be able to send a friend request based on proximity. Could even use the phone's sensors to see if their movements are similar. So you're out there doing something in a concert and they're doing the same thing and it just sends a friend request. Let's be friends because we dance the same. Whatever. ABC. Chinese gate recognition tech IDs people by how they walk. So you've got facial expression. Now they have gate recognition. Chinese authorities have begun deploying a new surveillance tool, gate recognition software that uses people's body shapes and how they walk to identify them, even when their faces are hidden from cameras. Already used by police on the streets of Beijing and Shanghai, gate recognition is part of a push across China to develop AI and data-driven surveillance that is raising concern about how far technology will go. Some guy whose name I can't pronounce, the CEO of Waitrix, said that its system can identify people from up to 165 feet away, even with their back turned or face covered. This can fill a gap in facial recognition, which needs close-up, high-resolution images of a person's face to work. So they now can get you coming, and they can get you going, and they can identify you. It is a spooky world out there. It's a very spooky world. Okay, from Revelation Plagues today. Yes, I know that California has had a bunch of fires. I know that. I will give two articles, uh, just the titles on them, and we'll go on to something else. If you want to know about the fires, 
Just go watch TV. From PJ Media, Jerry Brown. Climate change deniers definitely contributing to the new abnormal of wildfires. Okay, he says if you simply deny climate change, you are causing the problem. All you have to do is say, I don't believe in climate change, and you are causing the wildfires in California. But he believes it, and he didn't prevent it. That's right. He believes it, and he didn't prevent it. So you've got a little bit of a disconnect there. But I do not believe in climate change, and so I am the fault. I am at fault for that. If you want to see that, it's on the front of the Superior Word website, my climate change deniers uh, video. Anyway, from the uh, Daily Caller, as California burns, Jerry Brown takes heat for vetoing the 2016 wildfire mitigation bill. There was a bill that was, uh, you know, both parties had signed it. Both parties wanted it. It would help mitigate these fires. And it's exactly what our president has been raking on him about over the past three or four days. You are responsible for these fires because you have not clear cut. You have not done controlled burns. You haven't done what is supposed to happen. And now you are paying the penalty for it. The same thing that happens everywhere that liberals get in control. No cutting down any dead trees. Well, what does that do? It makes firewood. Anyway, from The Guardian. Alarm over talks to implant UK employees with microchips. This may drudge. You've probably read it. If you haven't, I'm just going to go over it with you very quickly. Britain's biggest employer organization and main trade union body have sounded the alarm over the prospect of British companies implanting staff with microchips to improve security. UK firm Biotech, which offers the implants to businesses and individuals, has already fitted 150 implants in the United Kingdom. They're following after Sweden, who has done this on a huge level. They say, hey, that's a great idea. We're going to do it here. Well, guess what? People are going to start getting used to this. And they're going to say, hey, that guy can get in quicker than me. He can get onto the train by scanning his hand. I want that. And pretty soon the world is going to be dumbed down to this. So here we go. The tiny chips implanted in the flesh between the thumb and forefinger are similar to those for pets. They enable people to open their front door, access their office, or start their car with the wave of their hand and can also store medical data. The CBI, which represents 190,000 UK businesses, voiced concerns about the prospect. A CBI spokesperson said, while technology is changing the way we work, this makes for distinctly uncomfortable reading. Firms should be concentrating on rather more immediate priorities and focusing on engaging their employees. The TUC is worried that staff could be coerced into being microchipped. Its General Secretary Francis O'Grady said, We know workers are already concerned that some employees are using tech to control and micromanage, whittling away their staff's right to privacy. Microchipping would give bosses even more power and control over their workers. There are obvious risks involved, and employers must not brush them aside or pressure staff into being chipped. Well, eventually, it's going to be pressuring everybody on this planet. It may not be insert chips, but it'll be something like that, which everybody on this planet will have to have, or they will not be able to buy or sell or eat anything. Okay, that's just coming soon to a tribulation period near a year. So, no Jesus, be out of here at the rapture. You won't have to go through this. But if you know somebody that doesn't know Jesus, try talking to them again. Maybe someday they're going to wake up to their need for Christ. And if not, they're going to be facing this on a global scale. Science Daily says, Florida monarch butterfly populations have dropped 80%. Since 2005. Have you noticed that around here? You don't see the monarchs the way we used to? They used to be everywhere. 80% here in Florida. 37-year survey of monarch populations in north-central Florida shows that caterpillars and butterflies have been declining since 1985 and have dropped by 80% since 2005. The decrease parallels monarchs' dwindling numbers in their overwintering grounds down in Mexico. While the drivers of the decline are not clear, the researchers say shrinking native milkweed populations and a boost in gliophosphate use in the Midwest are part of the problem. Gliophosphate, an herbicide often applied to agricultural fields to eliminate weeds, is lethal to milkweed, the monarch's host plant. Less milkweed means less habitat for monarchs. A broad pattern is that 95% of corn and soybean products grown in the United States are Roundup-ready crops that resist gliophosphate. So you can spray the corn and you can spray the uh, soybeans and it doesn't harm them, but it blasts everything else out. Okay, that gets into the environment. It kills the milkweed. All right. That has a national impact. What's really needed are patches of native vegetation and nectar sources without pesticides. It's not just for monarchs, but all pollinators. Okay, morality today. Breitbart. Democrats 
cruel and unscientific to define legal sex by biology. This is the Democrats' new stand. It is cruel and unscientific to define a person's legal sex by their biology, says a pro-transgender complaint signed by 98, 98 Democrat House legislators. Can you imagine the, the, the brain pan on these people? The Democrats' statement was sent to President Trump's admin after the New York Times reported that the admin will formally clarify that the sex of people involved in sex discrimination legal fights will be based on their male or female body. Trump's biology deterministic sex policy makes it clear that members of this admin are willing to solidify an archaic, dogmatic, and alarming view of the world. The Democrats complained their letter to the DHHS says... The Democrats and transgender advocates want government agencies to let people define their legal sex by declaring their internal feeling of male or female gender identity, regardless of their male or female body and biology. This is what the Democrat Party of the United States wants for us. My inner feelings tell me that they're idiots. Yes, his inner feelings tell us that they are idiots. And I would agree with your inner feelings. My inner feelings are corresponding to your inner feelings. I'm not offended. You're not offended. Mail online. I'm not offended by your not offense. This is great. We could do this all day. Mail online. Pensioner, 69. Talk about your inner feelings. This may drudge, and so you probably saw it. Two or three articles today did, but they're just very important for you to understand the brain pan of the world today. Mail online. Pensioner, 69, who identifies as a 45-year-old begins legal action to have his age reduced so he can attract more women on Tinder. Yes, Emil Rattelbond is a 69-year-old positivity guru famous in the Netherlands. He says doctors told him he has a 45-year-old's body and he wants to be younger. Rattelbond is suing his local authority after they refused to amend his age. Well, I want to be handsome. I sue to be handsome, okay? It's not going to happen. Mail online. It is racist and transphobic. Serena Williams' GQ Woman of the Year cover sparks outrage as the magazine is slammed for using quotation marks around the word woman. They're offended that she's called a woman on the front of whatever. Instead of Man of the Year, they said Woman of the Year. Instead of saying, good job, you've done a great job, we applaud you, and this is a grand step. No, it's racist and it's sexist and it's everything else. Our other category, Zero Hedge. As of October 2018, the U.S. is now, nobody? As of October 2018, the U.S. is now energy independent. Oh, I got a couple positives on that. Good. Helped by higher prices, total oil production has hit a record level in the United States, reaching a combined 15.9 barrels per day. Yes, 15.9 barrels per day in the past month and almost 2 million barrels per day above last year. As of October, the U.S. is now energy independent for the first time, which is a seismic change considering that just 10 years ago, America was spending 3% of GDP buying foreign energy in 2008. But its energy trade balance is now positive. And as Bank of America calculates, whether measured in BTU oil barrels equivalent or in U.S. dollars, we estimate that the reversal in energy balances from a deficit into a surplus happened in October of 2018. In just 10 years, America flipped from being a huge energy importer to becoming the largest exporter of petroleum products in the world. On average, U.S. petroleum product exports averaged 5.1 million barrels per day. In the past quarter, mostly on a combination of gasoline, diesel, and residual fuel. In addition, the U.S. is on track to become the largest NGL exporter to natural uh, gas. Okay, yes. Currently, America runs the world's largest NGL exports, followed by Saudi and Qatar, thanks to surging ethane, propane, and butane export volumes. The good news is that as of this moment... The U.S. oil independence has led to a soaring U.S. energy trade. America has been exporting increasingly larger volumes of crude oil to many countries, with levels recently topping out at 2.4 million barrels per day in the past few weeks. In fact, U.S. crude barrels have recently reached places as far as South Africa, Indonesia, and Oman, highlighting the increasing appetite for U.S. light sweet barrels. Good job. Okay, on a poor note, Wall Street Journal. United States is on a course to spend more on debt 
than on defense. That's a crime there because we spend a lot of money on defense. Our defensive budget is almost as large as the rest of the world combined. And we're spending, we're going to be very soon spending more on debt than on defense. That is, that is pathetic. Okay. You know, it's because the Congress just can't stop spending money. They can't keep coming up with little social programs and stupid and letting people in that don't produce and only take. So that's where we're heading in this country. Charlie, if they nationalize the Federal Reserve Bank, it would solve the problem. If they nationalize the Federal Reserve Bank, that would solve the problem. It'll not happen, but he's right. It would solve the problem, but it is not going to happen. But that would do it. From the Washington Times, Sanctuary refuses to take blame. This is a sanctuary city in New Jersey. Sanctuary refuses to take blame after triple homicide. Says ICE. ICE is responsible for the immigrant. They let him go. ICE wanted him. They let him go, and they say that ICE is responsible. An illegal immigrant released by a sanctuary city, county in New Jersey, was charged last week with a triple homicide halfway across the country in Missouri. Luis Rodrigo Perez stands accused of being the gunman in a shooting rampage last week that claimed the lives of two men and one woman at two homes. ICE said it had tried to deport Perez after he was arrested on domestic violence charges in Middlesex County, New Jersey last year, but... The county, which has a non-cooperation policy with ICE, refused to alert federal agents when it released Perez in February, ICE said. Had ICE's detainer request in December 2017 been honored by Middlesex County Jail, Luis Rodrigo Perez would have been placed in deportation proceedings and likely sent to his country, and three innocent people, Americans, would probably still be alive. I'm assuming they're Americans. It happened in Missouri. But I, I, I want to say something. But if I do, it's going to really offend some people. But I, I'm going to say it anyway. I would hope that the people that were killed were Democrats. I, I, I know that's, that's not right, but they voted for these people. They support this logic, and they want this in this country. And, you know, when somebody gets something that comes back on them for their bad policy decisions, I, I have to tell you that it's, if somebody's going to die, I don't want it to be people that were innocent in the process. If it was, I feel bad for the family. But you understand my logic. Stuff, they're, complicit they're, they're complicit with it. But Absolutely. I hope, I hope that they do sue Middlesex yeah. County. I hope yeah. that's the case. But if they're liberals, they have no, no basis to stand on at all because they vote for the party that allows this. Anyway, from Zero Hedge, San Francisco forces large corporations to pay homeless Tax. You saw that. Yes. Proposition C, the largest corporate tax in San Francisco history passed with 59.9% of the vote. As a result, San Francisco's biggest companies now forced to pay a homeless tax. Expect problems to rise. If you want more of something, subsidize it. Reported homelessness is down slightly, but tents are up, panhandlers are up, and problems are up. Throw enough money at the problem, and people will move in from all over the country. San Francisco is begging for more problems, and it will get them. Proposition C is lunacy. There you go. I've got a uh, lesseric for you. Let's see if you can guess which article he did. Is everyone's trait by their choice? Can I choose race, sex, age? By just voice, I would be 21 and grow brown in the sun and never grow old and rejoice. Good job, Les. That could have been his wife. I don't know which one did it. But uh, anyway, he is preaching once again. We prayed for him before we started today, hoping that he will bring more people to Christ as he did in the past week. But good job there. Okay, from our irony and odd, this is entitled Life is Rough. And it's spelled R-U-F-F, okay? But before I give you that, I want to talk to you about something that Sergio and Rhoda did. They did a video today, which was unbelievable. I know I say this every week, and I know that people don't watch it. Even though I put the link there, all you have to do is click on and spend 15 minutes of your life. How do I know? Because I know how many people view the video, as opposed to how many view the Prophecy Update. And I don't look at these numbers. I just have people tell me these things, because I don't ever look at the numbers on sermons or updates or anything. But I know that people don't do this. But you are the ones that are losing out by not doing this. This is a marvelous video today. It is the best he has ever done. The acoustics are outstanding. The video is outstanding. And it is an interview with a guy named uh, Adler. He's over in Israel. He is an archaeologist, a doctor, and he is going through something outside of Nazareth, which is unbelievable. I'm going to read you something from the Bible which uh, speaks of exactly what it says on this particular update. 
here's what it says. This is from my sermon on Leviticus chapter 11. This is why you want to learn Leviticus sermons is because you're going to get doctrine. You're going to understand what is going on in the world and how it points to Christ. I'm going to give this to you because they do not give this in the video. They speak about it and they will probably speak about this in the coming video, but I want to whet your appetite as to understanding what is going on. This is from uh, Leviticus chapter 11, verse 33, any earthen vessel into which any of them falls, speaking of something unclean, you shall break. And whatever is in it shall be unclean. What does that mean? And what does it have to do with Sir Joan Rhoda's video? I'm going to read you my comment, watch the video, process it, and you will find that what they are doing in this video points directly to the person and work of Jesus Christ, which is the point of prophecy. And if you don't know what he is picturing in the Old Testament, what he is fulfilling in the New, because you're watching too many prophecy updates, you are the one that loses out. He is the point of prophecy. Here's what it says. An earthen vessel is absorbent, and therefore it was to be broken. In type, the clay jar is a picture of humanity. Remember, Paul says that we have this treasure stored in jars of clay. That's speaking of the deposit of the Holy Spirit, which, by the way, we'll stop right there and we'll say that you cannot lose your salvation. If you're once saved, always saved, you are correct. People that challenge that are incorrect. Why? Because it says in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, that the moment that you believe in Jesus Christ and what he has done, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. The word is eravon. It comes from the Hebrew. It's repeated in the Greek. It's very rare for it to happen. It is a guarantee. A couple things about that. One, if you can lose your salvation, God made a mistake by sealing you in the first place. That's not the God of the Bible. Two, if you can lose your salvation because of this, uh, because of something you have done, then it wasn't a very good guarantee. In fact, it was rather crummy. Once again, not the God of the Bible. And third, if you can lose your salvation after being sealed with the Holy Spirit, it was never of grace. It was always of works because any time that you do anything that is a work to keep you being saved, then it is bears on your salvation. It was always, always, always of grace and it will always be of grace. So here's what it says. In type, the clay jar is a picture of humanity. In Leviticus 6, a clay instrument which was used for the holy things was to be broken in order to not transfer holiness. Here, it is for the exact opposite reason. When it is touched by something defiled, it is also to be broken. The person who has absorbed defilement must be destroyed. If you are in Adam, you will be destroyed. You are a defiled entity, just like a jar of clay, okay? This will either happen. You will be destroyed either at the cross of Calvary or it will happen at the final judgment. The holy is not to be mixed with the profane, and we as earthen jars are to be filled with that which is holy. After that, we are to keep ourselves from being mixed with that which is profane. Okay, that was from our Leviticus 11 verse 33 sermon. I want you to understand that what they are doing in this video at the end of this prophecy update points directly to Jesus, and it bears on you as a Christian. Okay, Life is rough, R-U-F-F. Mail online, Hunter is shot in the back by his dog after the pooch stepped on the trigger in the back seat of his truck. There you go, life is rough. Okay, and then from the Huffington Post on the other side of things, a dog scams McDonald's customers out of burgers by pretending to be a stray. It sits outside of McDonald's and the owner of it drove through and saw it and she posted on Facebook, Don't trust this dog. It's not a stray. It's my dog. Oklahoma City woman says she caught her gold-digging dog princess in the act of a drive-thru. Yeah, there you go. So such is the world we live in. And from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett. This is The Superior Word, and that is your prophecy update for the week.